Okay, we're going to switch gears. Uh, Pastor Tim said he had trouble picking out music for Revelation chapter 9. Uh, you'll understand when we get there. Uh, I, I was singing a, a little song in staff meeting. And then Satan sent his demons to destroy the world. Anyway, you'll, uh, there's not many worship songs. You ever heard somebody say, refer to hell on earth? Uh, today we're going to look at a chapter of God's word that really is hell on earth. Uh, Satan and his demonic army are unleashed and unchained uh, and evil and pain and destruction is brought to earth in a very hellish manner. Uh, warning, uh, Revelation 9 is not warm and fuzzy. So if you need warm and fuzzy, uh, I apologize. Today it's chocked full of violence and death and demons. So that's, that's what we're going to look at today because that's the next chapter. That's the way God arranged it. Why? Why? Some of you are thinking right now, why, oh, why, first of all, did I come today? And secondly, why, oh, why, Lord, would you give us a chapter like this? Let me give you uh, three primary reasons. So if you're taking notes, here's why you have a chapter like this. First of all, uh, this was to compel Christians at the time it was written and today, present tense, 2015, to follow Jesus hard and strong. Because when you see this, you're saying, this is awful. It's to compel us to follow after Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, give me your eyes. This chapter is not given so that we can say, Oh, beastie, what large teeth you have. Uh, oh, let's make a little drawing and see if we can figure out exactly what you look like. Or, oh, let me guess, is this Russia or Iran or could this be Israel? That's not why this is given. That's usually the way we take it. Oh, I'm, I'm going to draw pictures and get these really weird-looking animals. The purpose for Revelation 9 is to motivate Christians in the church throughout the centuries. Keep your heart soft. Turn from sin. Follow hard after Jesus. That's the reason this is given. Uh, so, so don't get off and, oh, I wonder what this would look like. Uh, second, second reason this is given is to shine uh, a gigantic spotlight on the evil cruelty of Satan and his demons. Uh, we're we're going to see, you, you want to reject Jesus? Here's the alternative. And there is no other alternative. There's either follow a hard after Jesus, or uh, by default, you're following hard after the folks we're going to look at. And I'm telling you, it's, it's awful. They attack, they torture, they kill their very own followers, which is really interesting. Third, third reason this is given is to show... Jesus followers down through the centuries, who's in charge? Who's on the throne? Who's calling the shots? And I'm telling you, like almost no other chapter in the New Testament, this one says, uh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, he's in charge. He's on the throne. And uh, don't pick a fight with the line of the tribe of Judah. Don't mess with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Because I'm telling you, every time you're going to lose. And uh, as powerful and strong 
and nasty as Satan is, I just want you to know, uh, doesn't hold a candle to Jesus Christ. Okay? Uh, wake up, repent, run to Jesus before it's too late. That's the message, Revelation chapter 9. Let me give you a little quick review, and then we'll jump right in and stand and read some very warm and encouraging verses out loud together. Uh, Revelation chapter 6, if you have your Bible, go back there. Uh, first six seals were opened by Jesus. This is the title deed to earth. He alone is worthy to open it up and grab a hold of it. Revelation 7 is a parenthesis. The picture turns to heaven, and Jesus seals 144,000 missionaries for his own. Uh, there is some debate, what are these 144,000? But again, when the plain sense of Scripture makes sense, seek no other sense, it's Jews. I mean, it couldn't be more clear. Uh, and it seems that at this time, uh, some Jews become completed Jews. And they believe in Jesus. And now you got 144,000 Apostle Pauls unleashed on the world as missionaries for Jesus. Uh, and then the first four trumpet judgments are unleashed on earth. Um, that's uh, last week, Revelation chapter 8. We saw the first trumpet, Revelation 8. Fire, hail, blood rain down on the earth. third of the vegetation on earth is destroyed. Second trumpet, uh, a fiery mountain-like volcanic explosion, something like that. A third of the oceans turned to blood. third of the fish are killed. third of the ships on the ocean are destroyed. Third trumpet, uh, this is all the seventh seal. Uh, blazing matter falls from the sky. third of the world's fresh water is polluted. Fourth trumpet, sky is scrambled. Uh, Jesus, who created the day and the night, now uh, scrambles everything, and it's pretty crazy. Um, now we're in chapter 9. Trumpets number 5 and number 6. Let's stand together. We're going to read verses 1 to 12. Uh, we'll get into the rest of it in just a little bit, but uh, this is the fifth trumpet that blows. You ready? Let's read God's word together. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of the smoke, locusts came down on the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not allowed to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like that of the sting of a scorpion when it strikes. During those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads, they wore something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like woman's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails with stingers like scorpions, and in their tails they had power to torment people for five months. 
They had as king over them the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek is Apollon, that is, destroyer. The first woe is past, two others are yet to come. Let's pray. Lord, uh, these are interesting verses, and we just want to acknowledge that. And you inspired John to get them written down on parchment. You inspired him exactly what to write down, and uh, now we have this inspired record of what's coming to planet Earth. So, Lord, help us to wake up and realize this is... Uh, this is a warning shot. This is uh, something that you want each of us to know that we might be serious and sober in this one and only life that you've given us to live. So uh, thank you for uh, these events that are coming. Um, you've been exactly 100% correct in the past. Everything you've ever said has come exactly as you've prophesied and Lord we believe what we just read is going to come to be exactly as you had John write it down. Show us, Lord, clearly what this means to us as your church in northern Michigan in 2015. And Lord, uh, if any of us are uh, slumbering and sleepwalking through this Christian life of ours, Lord, would you please wake us up even today? Help us to hear clearly today from you and your word and your spirit. Uh, may your spirit come alive in your church today. Corporately, we invite you to come right now. Settle in this place. And personally, we invite you right now to come individually and take charge. We slide off the throne. It's the place where your son Jesus deserves. We slide over and allow uh, your son and invite him to come and drive today. You take charge in each of our lives personally, individually. If sin is preventing that, Lord, would you show us clearly? Make it obvious, and as you call it sin, we're going to call it the same thing. We're not going to ignore it. We're not going to defend it. We're not going to pretend that it's someone else's fault. We're going to call it sin, and Based on your word, we're going to ask that you might wash and cleanse and purify. Lord, we want to be ready to do business with you today, even right now. So make sin clear. We'll run to the cross. We'll call it sin just like you're calling it. We're going to ask that you might make us clean. Put us back in right relationship with your son, Jesus. All the church gathered at Walloon Lake said with one voice, You may be seated. Here we go. Verse 1. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. L let me say again, 
Um, you read five commentaries, five commentators are going to disagree about each and every detail. Okay? Um, I'm reading 10 to 12 commentaries and different folks and their opinions. So just so you know, I recognize that, um, but I'm going to give you my best shot. Here we go. Uh, go back to verse 1. An unnamed personality falls from heaven. Fell is in the past tense. I believe that John is recording an event here that has already occurred in the past as he writes. Uh, if you go to Isaiah 14, 12 to 14, you can write that down. Look it up later. Uh, we know that Satan, Lucifer, is referred to as the morning star who has fallen from heaven. I think that's what he's referring to here. Uh, Jesus says in Luke 10, 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So uh, Jesus again confirms what Isaiah 14 has said. Uh, we know that this is a being that falls because this being is able to hold a key and then turn the key to open the lock to the abyss. The abyss seems to be the holding place for fallen angels. Um, I believe what you have here is Jesus who holds the keys to death and Hades, Revelation 1.18. Um, and he's handing the keys to the demonic prison, the abyss, the pit, where legions of demons beg Jesus, please don't send us there, remember? Uh, they were in the pigs, please don't send us to the abyss, to the pit, Luke chapter 8. Jesus hands the keys to the pit, the prison cell, for the most wicked and violent fallen angels. Uh, it seems that they were so violent, so wicked, they could not be trusted. They, they would destroy the earth. So the Lord has them chained in darkness. Where do you see that? Jude chapter 6. You can look it up. Um, and they've been held there until just the right time when Jesus says, this is the right time to unleash them. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 4 talks about that end time. That's just the right time. So, what do you got going here? Verses 1 and 2. Jesus is handing the keys to the abyss, the pit, to Satan. And he's saying, uh, here's the keys. I know you've been wanting them. I know some of your best guys are being jailed there in the, the abyss. And immediately he frees his strongest demons and they reap havoc on all those who are still left on planet Earth. I think that's what's going on. Now let's go back and see what those demons released do once they're freed from captivity, verse 3. And out of the smoke, locusts came down on the earth and were given power like that of the scorpions of the earth. Verse 4, they were told not to harm the grass or the earth or any plant or seed. That's already been taken care of earlier. Uh, but only those people who didn't have the seal of God on their foreheads. So this is only people who weren't following Jesus that were going to be affected here. Um, they were not allowed to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like that of the sting of a scorpion when it strikes. You want to know what it feels like to get stung by a scorpion. 
Talk to Scott Rudy. He'll explain it a little bit, okay? So for a few days, a few weeks, it's bad. But this goes on for five months. During those days, verse 6, this is interesting, it hurts so bad, they want to die. But they will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. Uh, they're not allowed to die. Verse 3. Uh, these demons are released and they darken the sky with their evil presence. Uh, just like locusts, which were a symbol of God's judgment back in the Old Testament, you see that when Moses is going after Pharaoh, they inflict pain like the sting of a scorpion. Again, a sting of a scorpion is usually bad for a few days or maybe even for a few weeks, but this sting is really bad for five months, okay? Uh, they are in agony, verse 5 and verse 10. Uh, verse 6, and just like those plagued by demons in the gospel, they lose their ability to choose. These folks cannot even choose death. So they are forbidden from suicide. Uh, no, we know you would like to just kill yourself. It hurts so bad, but no, you can't, and they are forbidden from committing even suicide. Verse 7. Uh, now we get a little description of these demonic locusts, if you will. Um, verse 7. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle, and on their heads they wore something like the crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like woman's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like that of thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails with stingers like scorpions, and in their tails they had the power to torment people five months. And they had a king over them, the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew, Abaddon. His Greek name is Apollon, and both those names mean what? Destroyer. Colorful descriptions, okay? Heads, crowns of gold, faces, human beings, hair, like women's hair. I'm not exactly sure what that means. Uh, I'm not even going to guess, ladies. Uh, other than, uh, yeah, I shouldn't say this, but I, I think there's something about them that is attractive to men. Uh, their teeth, teeth of lions, uh, iron butterfly, verse 9 going on. Um, and I see that the demons have a king. Did you notice that? And, and the king's name, Abaddon, Apollon, destroyer, in John chapter 10, in verse 10, Jesus says, the thief, Satan, comes only to steal and kill. Anybody know what the last one he comes to do? And to what? Destroy. So Jesus has already told us that Satan is the original liar and destroyer. Uh, Jesus, knowing Satan and his followers perfectly, catch this, this is, this is the point, Jesus unleashes upon mankind Satan and his demonic army. And their ugliness and their rage gives planet Earth a sample of hell. It's awful. It's ugly. Now verse 12, um, you got that woe bird back in verse 13 of chapter 8. Um, it's kind of like you have another birdie. The first woe is past. Uh, the fifth trumpet has been sounded, 
but there's two more yet to come, kind of ominous. Two more, it's going to get even worse, seems to be the idea. And sure enough, uh, the sixth trumpet blows, verse 13, more hell is poured out on planet Earth. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the four horns of the golden altar that's before God. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice, 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. The horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions. Out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. Verse 18, a third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, sulfur that comes out of their mouth. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails for their tails were like snakes, having heads with which they inflict injury. Okay, four angels are bound at the Euphrates River. Why are they bound at the Euphrates River? We don't really know. Nowhere in Scripture does it say. But we do know a few things about the Euphrates River. Uh, one of its tributaries ran into the Garden of Eden, uh, near this area, the first sin of Adam and Eve was committed. Uh, the first murder where Cain killed Abel was in this area. The first rebellion of mankind, the Tower of Babel, happened nearby. And nearby was the ancient uh, capital of Babylon. So we know that in this area, there were a whole lot of things that happened. But why exactly were these four angels bound in this area? We don't really know. Um, I didn't really even find anybody who had a good guess, or I'd give you one, okay? Uh, verse 15 tells us that they've been kept by Jesus, and now the, the sixth trumpet blows, and at that exact hour, God's instrument of judgment on all who reject Jesus Christ is not himself, but he allows Satan and his demons just to go nuts on those left on planet Earth at this time. And the stunning uh, consequence of their being released uh, is that one-third of humanity dies. If you go back to chapter 6 and verse 8, that's the fourth seal. One-fourth of all mankind has already died, and now here in 9.15, another third of humanity dies. So if you just do a little math here, that's over 50% of the population of planet Earth now has been killed, has been murdered. Uh, in today's terms, you're talking around 4 billion people lose their life. 4 billion people from CO4 and trumpet number six. Um, here's where it gets interesting. Look at verse 16. Um, the four fallen angels rally an army of over 200 million troops. 200 million soldiers 
on horses whose heads are like lions, and out of their mouths they belch fire, smoke, sulfur. Verse 19, the power of these horses is their mouth and their tail, verse 18, and the fire, the smoke, the sulfur is deadly. Many commentators see here modern weapons of war. Okay, so you need to know, if you look this up, oh, I think that's, a, that's tanks and that's missiles, and these are fighter jets. I'm not sure that this was given. I don't think it was given to, to give that kind of analysis, but they're all over this. There is one interesting fact I'll share with you. The Chinese army today boasts over 200 million soldiers which is just interesting fact to know and to tell. So uh, if you're thinking, no, no, there couldn't be an army. Well, right now they boast that they right today have over 200 million soldiers. Um, I think what we have here is John describing a demonic army. Give me your eyes. John is describing a demonic army that's been released from the pit, 9, 2, and 3, and now they join forces with the other non-imprisoned demons and they unite under Satan's command and attack and destroy over half of the people here on earth. Well, in this case, it'd be a third more. Okay, so they just, we're going to kill all of those. Well, why would they do that? Give me your eyes. I believe that some of these people haven't made their mind up whether they're going to live for Jesus or whether or not they're going to follow strong after Satan. So if you'll think with me, anybody who's yet on the fence, who's not either given their soul to Jesus or pledged their soul to Satan, I think those are the ones who are slaughtered. Okay, you're not going to, you can't touch the ones who have the seal of Christ on you, um, but those who haven't said yes and followed after Satan and his demonic forces, I believe Satan, he knows his time is short. He's trying to take as many possible, as many people as possible with him to the lake of fire. That's coming, Revelation chapter 20. Now, that's horrible, trumpets 5, trumpets 6. But I think the actually the worst verses, the most terrifying verses, are the last couple of verses here. So go back, verse 20. This, this to me... Um, because this isn't just talking about Satan and the demons. We know they're evil and awful and violent and, and want to destroy. But, but look at verse 20. This talks about the state of mankind. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still would not repent of the work of their hands they wouldn't repent and stop worshiping demons and all sorts of idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that can't see or walk, nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. So, those who survive the slaughter um, are hard-hearted and stubborn and they've not been killed and they've just seen the Lord unleash but they continue on in their demon worship they continue on following Satan loving the power that he's displaying right in front of them 
They continue to worship idols made of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Here's what Romans 1.22 says. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and am- animals and reptiles. So, just, just stop for a moment. They refuse, verse 20 and 21, to repent of their murders, taking human life. Uh, that's common. That's no big deal. They refuse to repent of the, their pharmakia, their magic arts. Give me your eyes. That's the word we get pharmacy from. So what, what, what they're saying is there's lots of pharmaceuticals at that time. Sound familiar? There's lots of chemicals, and they refuse to repent of their chemicals. They refuse to repent of their alcohol and their drug use, primarily there. Um, and they refuse to repent of their sexual immorality, um, activity sexually between people who are not married to one another. And they refuse to quit stealing from each other. Uh, verse 21, uh, they, they just say, you know what? You steal from me and I catch you, I'm going to kill you. Seems to be the idea here. Um, what I'd like you to do, if you have a Bible, let's go back. Because Jesus talks about this day and I want to show you what he has to say. Matthew chapter 25. Okay, Matthew chapter 25. There's this parable where Jesus is looking to the end times. And I think there's good stuff for us to learn. Uh, Back in 24, the day and the hour is not known. He's talking about this time of judgment upon the earth. And and then he stops and he tells them this parable. Start with verse 1, Matthew 25. If you don't have your Bible, maybe somebody will let you look on with them. At that time, the kingdom of heaven, what time? Uh, At the end time, the day of judgment time, will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The foolish one took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was gone a long time and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom! Come to meet him! Then all the virgins, all ten, woke up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, Hey, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there wouldn't be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was what? It was shut. Later the others also came, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. He replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Biblical times, when you were engaged as a couple, and I wish I had somebody to pick on right now, but it was usually about a year in length. Um, And during that day, here's what would happen. You ready? Track with me. The groom would go to his dad's house and build an addition on to his father's house during the engagement period. 
And after he was ready, building on the addition to his dad's house, then he would gather his wedding party, and they would head to his fiancée's house, and typically they would carry torches at night. Can, can you imagine? It's, it's pretty... It's a pretty interesting scene. So now comes the groom with torches, and they're coming in the middle of the night. He's coming to get his bride. Now, the bride would know approximately when the groom was coming. She'd know pretty much within a few weeks when the groom would be ready, but not exactly. The point was she needed to be ready. Can you imagine you're a bride, and you don't know exactly when your wedding day is, so you got to keep your teeth brushed, right? Uh, got to keep the perm in your hair. Got to keep the bags packed because you don't know exact, you know, kind of within a few weeks, but you don't know exactly when the groom is coming. All 10 of these brides knew their grooms were coming at any time. Okay? Five were ready and packed, had their lamps full of oil. Five were foolish. They weren't ready. And when the bridegroom came, they weren't ready, and it was bad. He, he left without them. Have you ever been doing something foolish when the authority came back and caught you doing something foolish and wrong? I recall vividly, this one sticks in my brain, uh, being at Bobby and Skip's house, and we were there, I was there with Bobby and Skip and probably 200 of their closest friends uh, at this massive party at Bobby and Skip's house. And the reason that they could invite 200 of their closest friends was because Bobby and Skip's parents were out of town on vacation. Um, here's what's interesting. Bobby and Skip's parents came home two days earlier than Bobby and Skip anticipated. And when <laughs> Bobby and Skip's parents walked into the house and saw over 200 of us there uh, turning their house upside down, they were not happy. And even though this happened over 30 years ago, I'm pretty sure they're still grounded to this day. <laughs> they haven't been allowed to leave the house yet today. Matthew 25, give me your eyes, is referring to the return of Jesus to the earth during the time of the tribulation. And he's going to set up his kingdom here on earth. New heaven, new earth, and he's saying to the Christ followers left here on earth, now go back to Revelation 9, verses 20 and 21. Um, hey, uh, don't go joining in with the sinners and all that's going on here on planet Earth, I don't want you worshiping demons and idolizing man-made stuff. I don't want you participating in their murderous ways and all of their hatred. I don't want you involved in their magic arts and their chemicals and their drugs and their alcohol. He's saying to Christians there, I don't want you joining in their sexual activity outside of the bounds of marriage. I don't want you stealing and taking from others because that very well may show that you never belonged to me and you very well may get left behind. That's the idea here. 
And there's a verse that comes to my mind. Church of Jesus at Walloon, Hebrews 3, 8. Jesus is still saying the same thing today. Today, if you hear Christ's voice, don't harden your heart. If you're hearing Christ's voice today, don't harden your heart. Because this was a warning to those who were followers, who are who claimed to be followers of Jesus during this tribulation period. And, and he's warning them, and I believe he's warning us today in the church 2015. Hardening your heart is one of the most serious sins in all of God's word. Could make a case for it being the most serious sin. Because when you harden your heart, it quickly leads to rebellion. Every act of rebellion is another plank kicked out of the bridge back to God. Isn't that good? Every act of rebellion, when you know what God's word says, you know what you should do as a follower of Jesus, and you say, I don't care, I'm going to do it anyway, every act of rebellion is another plank kicked out of the bridge back to God. I got that from Pastor James McDonald. It, it, it's warning to the church, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Sin blinds us so we can't see our true condition. Well, what kind of sins are you talking about, Pastor Jeff? What types of sins blind us and show that we have hard hearts? Are you ready? Go back to verse 20. And, and, and he tells us. He lists them right off. He says, I, I don't want you, church, involved in demon worship. Witchcraft, the occult, palm readers, verse 20. Um, this chapter, if, if no other chapter in God's word shouts, Satan and his demonic forces are organized and they are wicked and they are powerful and they are filled with hatred and contempt for everybody. You never see Satan and his demonic forces doing positive, good stuff. They're always destructive. So, if you're a follower of Jesus here today and you're over here dabbling around in the demonic, I'm just saying, run. What are you doing? Why would you mess with the enemy's stuff? It always leads to destruction every time. All forms of demonic witchcraft, occult, palm reading, you can keep going. But, but why would you even go near that stuff if you're a follower of Jesus? It's an act of rebellion is what it is. The second blinding sin, go back to verse 20, is idolatry. And it says there, uh, they were worshiping gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. And we say, uh, 2015, well, we're far too enlightened, right? Uh, we, we would never worship anything like that, right? Um, oh, really? W what about when you got that little apple uh, emblem it seems that some of us, we're all about that little god of apple with, with the phone or the pad or the pod. or It's, it's so important of us. We, we can't be left alone for a minute without our little apple symbol, right? Can I just say, you don't have to bow down and pray to something to make it your idol. If anything becomes more important to you than your relationship with Christ, that's an idol. I see us bowing down at the altar of 
Taylor Swift and Kenny Chesney and Justin Timberlake and Beyonce, and I could keep going on, um, but you understand what I'm saying? It's all about third blinding sin. Verse 21, murder, killing somebody. I doubt anyone here has killed somebody. I don't know that for a fact, but I doubt anybody here, probably, and if there is, there's probably only one or two of us, uh, not including myself. <laughs> However, according to Jesus, Matthew 5, 22, I've killed many. Because Jesus says, if you hate somebody, that's the very same root sin as murder. So let me ask a question. Is there anybody in your life that you hate? Well, I wouldn't call it hate. Is there anybody who you would love to hurt or hit or you'd love for somebody else to hurt and hit and maybe kill them? And maybe if they died, you'd, absolutely, you'd be doing this in your heart? That's a bad sign. And, and I'm just saying here that that blinding hatred leads to murder. That's the root sin of it. Fourth blinding sin, back to verse 21. This one is interesting. Sorceries, it's the Greek word pharmakon, pharmacy, uh, chemicals. Addiction to drugs and alcohol is blinding and deadly. And for those of you who struggle with that, that's not exactly a newsflash, is it? You got someone in your life who you love and, and drugs and alcohol, pharmakon, chemicals, I'm telling you, it's, it's a besetting, entangling, choking, blinding sin. Fifth one, back to verse 21. Uh, porneia is the word, Greek. Immorality, sexual sin. Anything outside the boundaries of marriage is what he's talking about. Any sin sexually that's not within the bounds of a husband and a wife together, that's porneia. And that's the root word of our word, pornography. So I'm just telling you, it's rampant. Sixth blinding sin. Blinding theft. Taking something that belongs to somebody else. Stealing and theft will be rampant in this day. And I believe that stealing and theft is rampant in many parts of even our country today. Today... If you hear Christ's voice, don't harden your heart. If you're hearing the Lord speak to you today about one of these blinding sins, don't harden your heart. The Lord is talking today. Or you can choose to be stubborn and hard-hearted and rebellious and defiant and blind to the end. And that very well may show that you never belong to Jesus to begin with. Bow your heads, shut your eyes as we close. Just quietly before the Lord, would you just say, Lord, uh, would you speak now? Show me if you're talking to me. If uh, your voice, your still small voice is saying something, I don't want to harden my heart. I want to hear from you. And if there's any sin that's been taken up root in my life and is starting to blind me spiritually, morally, would you show me?
and say, Lord, uh, you've spoken to me pretty clearly today. I've heard your voice. I've allowed some blinding sin to settle into my life. I've heard your voice. And now I have a choice. I can be stubborn and hard-hearted and rebellious and defiant. Or I can soften my heart and humble myself before you. Anybody say, Lord, uh, you're talking to me, and I just want you to know I've heard from you. Would you say that with your lifted hand? Lord, talking to you? Yeah. Others of you, any of these blinding sins got a little root in there in your life? Is Lord talking to you? Would you let him know you've heard? See my hand, Lord. (laughs) I I, I don't want to harden my heart. I I want you to know I'm here, and, and I'm ready to respond. Anybody else? Anybody in the balcony? Lord, I'm hearing from you. You've spoken. The fact is that blinding, stubborn sins are sticky, and they're really hard to get out. They don't come out easily. They almost never come out all by themselves or just by yourself. So that's one of the reasons why the Lord in his genius knew we needed each other. We need the church. So I'm going to ask some of you to do something that's bold and courageous and not easy. But I believe if you want rid of that stubborn, blinding sin, is necessary. So uh, if you uh, are ready to take that bold stand, I'd, I'd like you to stand before... Jesus and his church and we're going to send some brothers and sisters around you to pray for you and come alongside you and encourage you and hold you accountable but I I just want you to know if you're really serious um, as hard and difficult and challenging as this is yeah it's usually a requirement to get rid of these type of sins so that's you here's the hard challenge would you stand Stand before Jesus and his church. Lord, uh, I've heard your voice. You've made yourself clear. And some of this has gotten in my life. And that needs to end. Anybody else? Got uh, one brave, courageous soul standing. Nobody else is struggling in any of these areas, right? Yeah, there we are. Who else would stand? The Lord's, if the Lord's not talking, if you haven't heard his voice... You're doing great. No need to stand. But if he's knocking and he's saying, you know, you've been playing around with the demonic. You've been worshiping stuff other than Jesus. There's been some hatred and some uh, chemical, alcohol, drugs, uh, immorality, sexual sin, stealing. Any of those become a part of your life. That's blinding. It leads to rebellion. Okay. Church family, um, we got a couple folks standing and they've humbled themselves now you need to do your part so nobody's going to stand alone right so you're going to gather around them right now and you're going to pray for them so go ahead look around somebody's next to you you're going to go gather and it's not too late if you need to stand stand and we'll get some people around you too Um, and somebody who's gathering around those folks needs to be brave and say are you ready how can we pray for you so go ahead and ask that question and now listen 
How can we pray for you? Somebody ask that question, would you? Lord, thank you for the courage and the boldness of those who are standing. Lord, I want to pray for those who you talk to and you're knocking on their heart's door and they've heard your voice, um, but they didn't stand. So, Lord, you just keep working, you keep knocking, you keep uh, making yourself clear. Nudge them with your voice of conviction and correction. And I'm praying, Lord, that in due time, they'll begin to do whatever it takes. To, uh, to see those sins in the rearview mirror. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you even for Revelation chapter 9, how it's quick, it's alive, it's active, it's relevant for our lives even today in 2015. Thank you for uh, each and every person gathered here in your church today. I ask for your blessing upon them and upon their families. Lord, help us to live strong for you in this week ahead. May Jesus be reflected in a very bright and shining and loving way to everybody that we encounter. And it's in Jesus' name we pray every one of these things. Amen. We are uh, done today as far as this service is, is through. Uh, hug on the person who just uh, stood. Let them know you'll be uh, praying for them. If you have somebody around you, you don't know their name, introduce yourself. You are dismissed. Revelation 10 next Sunday.